that spiritual gifts are not the sign of spirituality but the fruit of the spirit to my mind is the evidence of being spirit-filled love joy peace uh, things of the heart experiences of the heart it gets right down into your very being but how is it evident outside by long-suffering with others suffers long and is still kind and this rare fruit of being gentle and then this wonderful thing of goodness, of godliness manifested. And of course, that is manifested towards something else. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. But I thought all Christians had faith. Yes, all Christians have faith, but here is the gift of faith. The fruit of the Spirit is meekness. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He's the meek one, and our Savior was the personification of meekness, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again, but left all things to him who judgeth righteously. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now all these things, all these things here are supernatural. Just as the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, so is the fruit of the Spirit. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In our previous study, we have been looking at the fruit of the Spirit as evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is to be the normal experience of the Christian day by day. Our last study covered the fruit of love, joy, and peace. And in this lesson, Dr. Mitchell continues with the other fruit of the Spirit, such as patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, which is based on faith, then meekness and self-control. All these fruit of the Spirit are preeminent in our Lord's life, as Dr. Mitchell points out. He will also draw from the lives of various biblical characters that exemplify some of these fruit in their own lives. You know, fellowship with the Lord evidences these fruit. Well, Dr. Mitchell continues with the fruit of the Spirit here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Thank you. We continue our studies these days on the life in the Spirit, or the Spirit-filled life. We have been discussing this question of what it means to be Spirit-filled. For those of you who are just tuning in, may I say that we've been taking up what God does for the Christian with respect to the ministry of the Spirit of God, where we're sealed and born and indwelt and baptized by the Spirit. But now we have a responsibility before God to live a life that will please Him. This is called a Spirit-filled life. 
This depends upon our cooperation with God in his will and his purpose, to be obedient to his word, to be submissive to his will, to love the brethren. And we are declaring that spiritual gifts are not the sign of spirituality, but the fruit of the Spirit, to my mind, is the evidence of being Spirit-filled. And we were discussing uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, or as Paul says, it's the more excellent way, as found in John 14, uh, 14, 1. Follow after love, chase after love. I show you a more excellent way, as you have in the last verse of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It's the badge of discipleship, and love is not optional, it's obligatory as Christians. And then we found that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, uh, this wonderful joy which we have in Christ. In fact, it is celestial joy, it is his joy which he gives to us. And then we have peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. This is experimental peace. All believers have peace with God. Christ is our peace. The Lord gives us his peace. But when a Christian walks in fellowship with God, when sin has been put to one side, it's been confessed and we've been cleansed and forgiven of our sin as his children, then we experience a peace that's beyond the ken of men. And the world can't rob us of that peace. And as Paul could say in Colossians 3, uh, may the peace of God bind up your hearts and your minds. Let it be the rule of your life. And as I said, and I repeat it, these three, love, joy, and peace, are experienced in the heart of believers who walk with God. And the measure of our love for him will be, of course, evidenced by joy and by peace. But now he goes on, and he takes the next three together. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. As we were reading in chapter 13, the fourth verse, love suffereth long and is still kind. In fact, sometimes I sometimes read out this way, uh, reading it incorrectly, love, love suffereth long and then blows up. I, uh, I am sure that this is not genuine love. Long-suffering. Oh, how we need to be long-suffering with each other. How, how, how we manifest short-suffering. Long-suffering. Why do you say, I can't put up with that Christian. I wish he'd go to some other church. No, love suffereth long. But I've suffered so long with that fellow. Yes, I know, but love suffereth long and is still kind, still kind. And then the next one, the fifth one, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. You know, we're kind of getting away from that, aren't we, these days, even among God's people. Fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. What a rare fruit this is. Paul could say in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the first verse, you remember, he's pleading to these Corinthians, I beseech you by the gentleness and the meekness of Christ. My, how gentle the Lord was. Do you remember when he walked among men? 
And one day, one day some mothers brought their children to Jesus. Oh, how they wanted him to put his hands upon their little heads and bless them. Well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And you remember the disciples tried to get rid of them? They said, now the master's tired out. Take your children away from here. You could just see the, the, they were irritating to these disciples, these youngsters coming to Jesus. And the Lord Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Oh, how, how gentle, how gentle he is. How gentle he was with, with sinners. You take, for example, that seventh chapter of Luke when Simeon, with his scorn and his critical spirit about the woman who was washing our Lord's feet with her tears and wiping them with the hairs of her head, my, how gently the Lord dealt with Simeon. He didn't need to deal with the woman. She was already at his feet. The poor old Simeon had to get rid of that critical spirit. And how gently and yet how firmly the Lord dealt with him, and how he, how he had compassion, how he had compassion upon lepers. Oh, one could take it up, the gentleness of our Savior. He was never crude. He was never rude. Uh, how gently he dealt with precious souls, needy souls, needy souls. When, they, when the Pharisees came along and criticized, criticized, uh, the disciples of the Lord, the Lord just gently rebuked them, stood by his disciples. Oh, how gentle the Lord is. Even today, how gentle he is with you and me. I'm amazed at this. I'm amazed at this. Sometimes I think the Lord should take a whip to me. You know, you get indifferent, you get your life cluttered up with a lot of things, and you get cold in your heart, possibly, and you neglect the word of God, and you do things that you know you shouldn't do, and how gentle the Lord deals with us. My, what a wonderful Savior he is. How could we live without him? How could we live without him? Well, you just couldn't. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. God give us men and women who are gentle, not crude or rude or boorish, but who are gentle. Or using an old term, may God give us gentle women and gentle men. And that speaks of courtesy, that speaks of love in evidence manifested. And then the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now that is godliness manifested. You know, I was thinking of that verse in, was it Romans 2, 4? where the apostle, in pleading with men, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. How good the Lord is to his people. How good the Lord is to you, my friend. Say, I'm having a pretty tough time. Yes, but how good the Lord is to you. If you just let him do it, how goodness, how good the Lord is to us. Godliness manifested. So you have these three long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Now, this, this deals with others. Love, joy, peace, are things of the heart, experiences of the heart. It gets right down into your very being. But how is it evident outside? By long-suffering with others, suffers long and is still kind, and this rare fruit of being gentle, 
And then this wonderful thing of goodness, of godliness manifested. And of course, that is manifested towards something else. Now, the next three go together. Notice it, please. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. Well, I thought all Christians had faith. Yes, all Christians have faith, but here is the gift of faith. You remember in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks there of the life of faith. And you remember in that passage of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, as you follow it through, you will notice that every, every one of those persons living under all kinds of circumstances, they live the life of faith. This is a spiritual life. For example, Noah walked with God in the midst of a world where the very thoughts and the imaginations of the heart of man was evil continually. But he walked with God. You take this man, Enoch. Enoch lived in a world that was full of men who were ungodly. You find that in the book of Jude. He prophesies about these ungodly men of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. Abraham lived in the midst of a world that was pagan, surrounded by idolaters. Moses walked with God in the midst of a world of a people that was stiff-necked, always murmuring. Elijah walked with God, as he could say, Jehovah before whom I stand in the midst of a nation that had become apostate. Paul lived in a, walked with God in the midst of a generation. In fact, in his missionary journeys, the cities to which he went was full of idolatry and moral corruption. No excuse for you, no excuse for me. This is the life of faith. What is the life of faith? The life of faith is a life lived in fellowship with God under any and all circumstances. But there is a gift of faith. Now, for example, I think of, of George Mueller, that man who took care of hundreds and thousands of orphans. And he never asked a man for a penny. He just got along with God and told God his need and believed that God was going to meet that need. How often he has gone down to breakfast with hundreds of orphans waiting for their breakfast and they had nothing to give these precious kids. And he said, now we'll bow our heads and thank the Lord for the food he's going to give us. And they'd all bow their heads, and Mr. Mueller would thank the Lord for the food that was going to be there for breakfast. And while he's praying, a truck pulls up at the back of the kitchen and puts out boxes of bread and things they needed to eat for their breakfast. Now oh, you see, uh, boy, that's faith. Yes, I think that's a gift of faith, although George Mueller rejected the idea that he had the gift of faith. Uh, but there is such a thing as the gift of faith. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm sure of one thing, that in every believer's life, especially if you try to walk with God, there are periods where, where you, you come in the presence of God uh, and something is put upon your heart and you talk to the Lord about it and you know while you're talking to the Lord you know he's going to give it to you. I think while you're walking with God, that's the fruit of the Spirit, is faith. And as someone as well said, if you do God's work in God's time, then God will do all the supplying. God is not a pauper by any means. We've got riches of glory upon which we can, we can pull. Now, 
That's faith. Now notice the next one. The fruit of the Spirit is meekness. Here's a rare, rare fruit. Meekness. Not weakness, W-E-A-K, but M-E-E-K, meekness. You know, it's a remarkable thing that three times in the New Testament we have this thing brought before us in this connection. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He's the meek one. And if you want meekness, you have to learn at his feet. In John chapter 13, verse 15, we read, Jesus said, I have given you an example. What had he done? He had washed the disciples' feet. Manifesting meekness or genuine humility. That's the only time he ever said he left us an example. Then in 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 to 23, we read that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again, but left all things to him who judges righteously. Meekness. As Paul could say in Corinthians 10, I beseech you by the gentleness and meekness of Christ. And you remember way back there in the book of Numbers chapter 12, God spoke of this man Moses being the meekest of men. Now, you and I read, you and I read his history. He was a warrior. He was a leader. He was the great deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. He was the great lawgiver. He ruled this nation. I tell you, you see, is Moses meek? Yes. Where was it manifested? In his own family. Miriam, his oldest sister, and Aaron, his brother, turned on Moses, and God had to rebuke both Aaron and Moses, and he made the statement that Moses was the meekest of men. And I, I'm of the persuasion that dear Moses had spent uh, not only a couple of days, but he had spent months upon months of being railed on by Miriam and by Aaron. I think they just roused the life out of Moses. Are you the only one God talks to? Are you the, are you the big frog in the puddle. You could just you could just hear Miriam and Aaron going after Moses, and Moses didn't say a word, and God said, I want to talk to you. I will I will come to other men in visions, but with Moses I will talk face to face. He's the meekest of men. And our Savior was the personification of meekness, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again but left all things to him who judgeth righteously. Oh, I tell you, my friend, this is one of the greatest fruit of the Spirit of God, meekness. It's sometimes, I think it's a, it's a fruit that is so misunderstood today. We look upon it as, a, as weakness instead of strength. It takes a strong man, a big man, to be meek. Now, one more. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control. And this is another rare thing. You know, we at, at school today, in these schools, I speak of in general now, you take these schools that teach self-expression. Self-expression. Like a professor said last fall in a college not too far from here, 
The very first lesson, he said, I want you young people to forget what your father and your mother has taught you. Forget what your church has said. Uh, just you come in here and I'm going to teach you. In other words, he's going to teach lawlessness. He's going to teach a philosophy that will be ruinous to the family and to the home and to the church. Self-expression, do your thing. This is not of God. My friend, this is not of God. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control. And when you and I walk in the presence of God, instead of blowing up, and losing our tempers, and saying things we shouldn't say, remember, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if you and I claim to be Spirit-filled Christians, there'll be self-control. You know, someone said the other day, it struck me very forcibly. When you speak, you can't bring back the words you say. Now, you can think a lot in your heart. You can think a lot in yourself concerning somebody else, but nobody knows it. You can take it away and forget it. But once your words come out, you can't bring them back. And haven't you and I suffered for this? We've said the thing we shouldn't say, and we've hurt people. Oh, how we've hurt people, and you can't bring the words back. As soon as they left your mouth, you knew you should not have said it. This is not spirituality, friend. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now, all these things, all these things here are supernatural. Just as the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, so is the fruit of the Spirit. And how can the fruit of the Spirit be evident? When you and I yield ourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, a Spirit-filled life is a life lived in fellowship with God. And when you and I are walking in fellowship with God, the fruit of the Spirit in some way or another will be evident by love, by joy, by peace, by long-suffering, by gentleness, by goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. And do you not think this is a real need, there is a real need today for this in our local churches, in our own lives, in our own families? So I just plead with you this morning, today, wherever you are, to look to the Lord. This is a supernatural life. And as you and I yield ourselves to him, he works in us and through us to his own good plan and purpose. I think this is in Paul's mind in Philippians 2 when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when you and I are yielded to him, this is what happens. This is spirituality. This is a spirit-filled life. And may God grant that you and I will know something of it day by day as we walk with him. Now, God bless you today for his name's sake. I hear the Savior say, my strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. 
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.